morning journey. Good to see you all. My name's Chris. Glad to be here. Glad we get to be together on this beautiful morning uh, as we enter into a season or a summer in the Psalms. Uh, the Psalms, as you may be familiar with, take up a ginormous portion of your Old Testament. And, and they, are, they are poems, actually. Poems, or some of you might know them as songs. They're a, a form of praying. They're a form of singing. And the people of God have used them as a prayer guide beginning in about 1400 BC when the first Psalms were being written. Think about that. That's crazy. They were written over a 700-year span and then put together into the Old Testament and then into the Bible that we have as well. The early church would have used the Psalms in their gatherings as prayers, as songs, as guides. And so the question then really is, but what do we do now in 2019 with this biblical poetry? Eugene Peterson, in his book about the Psalms, as a tool for prayer, writes this. He says, poets tell us what our eyes, blurred with too much gawking, and our ears, dulled with too much chatter, miss around and within us. Poets use words to drag us into the depth of reality itself. And the Psalms are poetry, and the Psalms are prayer. And so the Psalms then are an invitation to pray and to be guided from the periphery of life into its very depths. They usher us into that place. And if the Psalms truly are a tool for prayer, and I believe that they are, then they're fashioned in such a way that when we steward them well, they'll lead us on our way of being and becoming united with God rather than doing and getting from God. They'll help us learn who we really are because we'll learn who God really is. Per usual, Eugene Peterson again says it best when setting us up to engage in the Psalms. He says, if you come to the Psalms looking for a way to develop your inner life, we have come to the wrong place. If we come to the Psalms in search of peak experiences, we have made a wrong choice. The psalmists are not interested in human potential. They are passionate about God. The obedience-shaping, will-transforming, sin-revoking, praise-releasing God. So into a series on the psalms we enter. As a church, we're committing the rest of our summer to a summer in the psalms. We'll bounce around through the, the 150 psalms. We will not be covering all of those during the summer, but we'll bounce around in the psalms and we'll reside there seeking out the God at the center of it all. And as we wade into the poetry of the psalms, we're going to begin, as Brandon said earlier, with the most iconic psalm of all, Psalm 23. And my guess is, Snow, no matter where you are in your life experience with the things of God, you are at least kind of familiar with Psalm 23. You might be able to recite a piece of it. You might have heard it at some point along the way. You might have even prayed it. And, and I'm going to be really honest with you at this stage of the sermon. I've been lying up to this point. Um, I, had, I had a lot of things 
prepared to share on Psalm 23. I'd studied up on sheep and shepherds in dark valleys. I had connections to make to Jesus, the true good shepherd, to Sabbath rest, to the power of anointing, to God's loving pursuit of each of us. All studied up and ready to go. But then life happened. Or rather, death happened. My Aunt Marilyn, who is 74, passed away on Wednesday as a result of lung cancer. And Psalm 23 turned into an experience for me, an experience for me to live inside of it rather than to study around it. And I'd like to take you through that experience, if you will, to invite you to join me as I grapple with death and grieve and mourn. Honestly, Bob tried to provide a way out for me, asking if I, I didn't need to preach this Sunday. And, and I spent some time praying about it and I decided I just wanted to try to share the, the gift of grief with my church family. Today might be a little bit cumbersome. We'll make our way together. Um, but honestly, that's probably like most of the things that we encounter in this world, right? A little bit cumbersome and occasionally wonky. Uh, Questions abound at times like this of of where is God? What is he like? Is he really with me in the darkest valley? And so my invitation to you is, would you you join me in this? Because I'd imagine that my grief is not unknown to many of you. I know for a fact that there are many dear friends here actually right now who are still grieving at this very moment. And my guess is not knowing all of the details about all of our lives that we're able to access that grief that we are either in now or have experienced or perhaps that we're going to experience down the road together. And so I'll try my best to serve as the mouthpiece as we all awkwardly follow God through the dark valley together. So as we go together and before we tackle Psalm 23 in this unique way, let me, let me just pray it over us. And then invite the spirit to draw near as our comforter and guide as we make our way through it. Let's pray. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by, my anoint- by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, here we are this morning. We are here and we acknowledge that you are already among us. Your Spirit is present with us, and so we welcome you, and we invite you to draw near to those of us who need comforting. Let us meet you in this time together. I pray that you would be our guide not just through Psalm 23, but all the days of our lives would we follow you 
along the right path that you have set before us. And God, would you remind us this morning that you are a God who is with us, beside us, and all around us. We are people in need of you, and we invite you to come and take hold of our lives. Pray for myself, Lord, that you'd give me your words to speak. As always, I pray that I wouldn't say anything that's not for you or from you, God. And I don't want this time this morning to be about me, but about you. So usher us into your presence and teach us, God. To you be the glory. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Before Psalm 23, there's Psalm 22. And I didn't read that in a commentary. I just counted. And there it was. But it's an important piece of information for the grieving or for the Jesus following among us. And here's why. Psalm 22, the psalm we're not talking about today, starts like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. Do you know who prayed these words? Jesus. This is always Jesus. Like, if you don't know what to answer, just shout Jesus. It's Jesus who prayed these words. And if the Psalms are a tool of prayer, Jesus prayed Psalm 22 from the cross because he was acquainted with these ancient guiding poems. The words that came from his lips were the words of the poet David. And I thought these words that David wrote and Jesus prayed. And I'm in good company and so are you. So cry out from your grieving gut, my God, my God. Jesus hung from a cross enduring death because he is all love but still one who felt the pain of death. He knows the pain and he knows the poem to accompany the pain. These are the words of a God who knows our pain. But I'm not sure for me if I really understand that or if that really makes sense. I'm not even sure if it's supposed to make sense, to be honest. But the psalm that follows, Psalm 22, and these words that Jesus prayed from the cross might help. I have a friend who, he wrote a little piece about Psalm 23 being read during a funeral. It was a funeral that, that he was presiding over. He did not know the people. There were only a few people scattered in the room and it was a funeral for a man who didn't leave much of a legacy to be honored. It was an uncomfortable funeral. And they asked him to read Psalm 23 and he wrote this piece about how difficult that was and how... Uh, interesting maybe it was. And, and I, I had, had something with me that stuck from that piece. He wrote it years ago, four or five or six years ago. And I knew weeks and weeks ago, leading into this particular Sunday, a Sunday when I already knew weeks and weeks ago that I was going to be preaching on Psalm 23, that I didn't want to preach it through the lens of death or a funeral. But then on Wednesday, my aunt passed away. 
Days before she would have listened to me preach on Psalm 23. And so I guess I have to interpret it through the lens of death now. I just didn't think it would be this close to me. I didn't want it to be this close to me. And if I'm speaking pastorally or maybe even theologically, this is when I would point out the reality is that we cannot not interpret the scriptures through the lens of our lives. We just simply cannot separate the life we are living in from the pages we read in the scriptures. And so here in the Psalms, we come across the challenge of merging our life with the context of what these writers were writing. And Eugene Peterson, again, says it like this. He says, we will not be looking primarily for ideas about God or for direction in moral conduct. He says, instead, when we come to the Psalms, we will expect rather to find the experience of being human before God, exposed and sharpened. And I feel that. Perhaps you feel that too. After Jesus prayed Psalm 22 on the cross, I wonder if his followers prayed Psalm 23 in the days before and or after his resurrection. Because maybe Psalm 23 is not a psalm that serves as a funeral dirge. Maybe as my friend Jared surmises, it's meant to be sung like a lullaby. Where we might find ourselves curled up in the arms of our Abba Father, where we listen to the words of the great psalm sung over us like a lullaby. From this vantage point, Psalm 23 allows us to see God in Jesus as both the lamb abandoned to slaughter and the good shepherd who leads us into the green meadow. And those of us here in this room, we know what a good Montana meadow looks like where the clouds are white above us not clouds of surrender, but of hope, and they're tethered to the vast mountains just above that meadow, tied together with the yarn of the blue sky holding us there. The one who's brought us there is the good shepherd, but also the one who knows what it's like to be the lamb who was slaughtered. And there's three key movements that I see in Psalm 23 that honestly I wanted to say a whole lot more about, but I'll give you the short version of them. When we begin Psalm 23, the first two verses read like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. And here we see the picture of the good shepherd. I mean, it's at this point in time that I would have made all of the beautiful connections to Jesus, the one who comes as the good shepherd. And we are his sheep who hear his voice and do as he says. It's here that I would have made connections to the parable in Luke where there's 99 sheep and one that gets away and Jesus, the good shepherd, goes and rescues the sheep. He knows exactly what we need. He guides us, the good shepherd. And then the next two verses read like this. 
He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And here we see a picture of the good guide, the one who shows us the way. And it's here that I would have talked about all of the times that God makes the promise in which he'll never leave us or forsake us, that he's always with us, that he goes before us and behind us and around us. It's here that we would have made note that any time we're walking with God, it is the right path. It's here we would have made note that David switched the tenses and started talking about how God is no longer the God who is close beside him, but he says, you are close beside me. Because when he was in the darkest valley, he needed something more intimate. That God is a good guide even in the darkest valley. And then the final two verses read like this. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. And here we find the good host. God is the one who sets the table. And it's here we would have talked about all the feasts that God promises to set before us. From the beginning of the scriptures to the end, to the final banquet table when all things are as they should be. It's here that we would have paid attention to the hospitality of the good host. And we would envision ourselves being anointed with oil, being welcomed as a special guest one who matters to God, a friend, a child of God. And it's because of that anointing that our cup overflows with blessings. It's here that we would have talked about a God who is in ever pursuit of us. Again, a parable in Luke, where a father runs to meet a son who had left home, always on the lookout for a moment to meet us. Surely, the goodness and unfailing love of that God will pursue us all the days of our lives. And it's here where we would have talked about what it was like to knock and let the door be opened and come into the house of the Lord to dwell there forever. Our God is a good shepherd. Our God is a good guide. And our God is a good host. And I had a lot more to say about that but as I chose to live inside of Psalm 23 and invite you into that, I figured what we really needed to do was pray this prayer together. Pray through the Psalm together. And I wanted to create space for us to do that. I'll lead us through it. It'll be a little unique. The whole thing's been unique up to this point, I guess, as we try to figure this out together. So if you would, would you just find a posture of prayer Whatever that looks like for you, eyes closed, head bowed, head up, hands open, whatever it is you need to do. And I'll guide us through Psalm 23 together. God, first of all, we just invite you to speak, to reveal yourself to us. We pause here for a moment, humbly expectant 
that you long to use, this ancient prayer that you've used in the lives of countless people of God over time to minister to us now. So we come to meet you here, Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Envision yourself before the good shepherd. Begin tuning your ears to hear the voice of him who speaks. And ask him to give you all that you need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Find yourself now in the greenest meadow you can envision. Joined there by the good shepherd, the one who knows exactly what you need. Take note of the peaceful stream moving through the, the meadow. Listen to the water trickle over the rocks and pay attention to God all around you. The good shepherd with you. Receive the rest he provides. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. As you find yourself still in that green meadow along the peaceful stream, turn to the good shepherd who is your good guide and ask him to renew your strength. Ask him to refresh your soul. As you listen for his response, find yourself now walking along the path with the good guide side by side, all around with you, never to leave you. And turn to him and say, where do you want me to go? Listen to him direct you. Listen to him remind you that if you are on the path with him, you are on the right path. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You now find yourself in the darkest of valleys. And you know what that experience is like. And in the darkness, know that right beside you is the good guide who holds his staff and his rod, one to comfort and protect. And he says to you, do not be afraid.
You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Find yourself now exiting the darkest valley and coming to a clearing where a table is set, a feast prepared for you by the good host. And envision the banquet before you, all of the people there. And the good host among them. And every good host shows good hospitality. And before you sit down, this good host who is also the good guide, who is also the good shepherd, who is our good God, anoints your head with oil. Stand there now in your mind's eye and envision this good God covering you with oil, communicating to you that you are my dearly loved child. You are the one. I love. And as that oil drips over our head, we're being filled with everything that we need. Thus our blessings overflow. Pause for a moment and thank God for all of those blessings that come to mind just at this very moment. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Turn to your right and your left and your mind and look all around you and see that this good host, this good guide, this good shepherd is in pursuit of you always. For he is good and his love never fails. Pause for one moment and turn and say, I receive your goodness and unfailing love. Now imagine yourself going to the house of the Lord and opening the door and finding the good host there again to welcome you and bring you in into a place where you might reside forever and ever with him, the good shepherd, the good guide, and the good host. God, we thank you that you are a God who meets us in this way that you are a God who hears our prayers and that you are a God who responds. I pray that we would receive what it is you've given us today, whatever that gift is. And we would be filled and we would be full of your spirit so that we might go and live as the people you've called us to live. People who walk with others in meadows or valleys, 
people who join one another at the table of the feast, who host and welcome one another. and who excitedly usher others into encountering you to live in the house of the Lord forever. To you be the glory, God, we love you. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.